Welcome to Hedge Fund Tips with Tom Hayes. I'm Tom Hayes, and this is your 123rd video cast, your 113th podcast for the week ending February 24th, 2022. What a week, what a day today was. I mean, unbelievable. I wake up at, you know, 5.36 or so to put the final, final touches on the article every week. Uh, and uh, the Dow was down some 875 points or something like that. Every energy stock was up uh, six to eight percent. Oil was over a hundred bucks. Brent WTI was around a hundred, uh, and biotech and China tech were down big. Um, and we spent the article got out late because we spent the whole pre market selling off all the rest of our exploration and production energy stocks, which were all near, uh, um, gosh, two-year highs, um, up 6% 6% plus in the morning. So we got rid of all the exploration and production. We kept some natural gas because we think that's going to be an incredible secular play. And some servicers because the rig count is increasing. More supply is going to come online. So the people that service the rigs uh, and deal with drilling are going to benefit. The ones that deal that rely on price, exploration, and production uh, are going to feel the brunt. And you you saw in such a strong tape what turned out to be a strong tape by the end of the day. Uh, Exxon was down. Uh, banks and financials were the worst two performing sectors of the day. Tech and biotech were the best two performing sectors of the day. Uh, so you know there are. Pivotable, pivotal times in a year that if you make the right moves, it sets up your whole year to make a ton of money. And um, the last time we had such a pronounced uh, period like this was in fall of um, uh, and end in spring for to a lesser extent of 2020 uh, with the energy and banks. And I'll tell you to get. You know, we bought some Labu, which is uh, leveraged biotech this morning, in the 12s. The print won't even come up on the chart. The pre-market in the high 12s, 1269, uh, 1259, 12.80. And it's just unbelievable. The the thing was down 12% pre-market, and I think it closed the day up about 12%, a 24-point swing. We wanted to get that type of exposure. We got more China exposure on this morning. Uh, The whole group was down. Uh, BABA had reported earnings. We're going to talk a lot about the BABA earnings. They came in uh, in line. Uh, Actually, they beat on the bottom line, but we're going to talk about the, the a lot of positive things came out of the earnings. Uh, And the stock reversed. The stock actually pre-market, you again won't see the print on the chart broke 100 pre-market and we're just like this is ridiculous someone's blowing up um so we got more china exposure and it's these type of setups when you can just be alert to the opportunity and um take advantage that that set things up so um want to start off uh quickly thank for the media I want to thank Karina Mitchell, Taylor Clothier, and Sarah Drammer for having me on Yahoo Finance yesterday. This was so timely. You've got to watch this. Uh, They have the HD version if you click directly on Yahoo, or you can watch the YouTube version uh, that we record here and upload. But uh, I'd watch it directly on Yahoo Finance. This was like the roadmap for 
today. Uh, it was tomorrow's newspaper today, uh, and the big theme there was the biggest risk to the market is to the upside at these levels. And we're going to talk about what I went into. Uh, if you're short on time, by the way, I would just click on this, watch this for, for eight or nine minutes and call it a day. But uh, we are going to cover some, some important stuff today. And we're going to try to keep it a lot shorter than last week because finally uh, things are moving in the right direction. Tech and biotech uh, are taking off and banks and energy are in the rear view. Uh, so so it's, it's in line with, again, what no one was positioned for is now bearing out. So, um, so that's that. Um, we'll cover that. Uh, also want to thank Ellen Chang for putting me in her article on thestreet.com. Um, and congratulations to her. She just uh, uh, successfully completed uh, radiation and uh, she posted about it on Twitter, which is why I'm sharing it. Uh, so we're really happy to hear, hear that she's had a successful uh, uh, solution there and uh, she's off to the races, a new chapter. And this, this article was about why companies are spending more money, um, CapEx, and I went through a few key reasons. So thank you for including me in that. And then I want to thank um, Herb Lash for including me in his Reuters article this week. Uh, and I said, which is exactly uh, what, what's, what took place today, I said, in the worst case scenario that Russia does take Ukraine, hypothetically as they took uh, Crimea, well, I didn't say hypothetically, as they took Crimea, uh, a lot of bad news is priced in and it would be a sell the rumor, buy the news. And that's exactly what happened today. Uh, so uh, thanks to Herb Lash for, for having me in his article. A couple quotes that I just thought were timely. Peter Lynch, I think you have to learn that there's a company behind every stock and that there's only one real reason why stocks go up. Companies go from doing poorly to doing well or small companies grow into large companies. I think that nips it in a bud. He also adds, the worst thing you can do is invest in companies you know nothing about. Unfortunately, buying stocks on ignorance is still a popular American pastime. So, uh, so we certainly saw that with many of these uh, 20 and 30 and 40 times sales stocks in the last year that have been cut down uh, 70, 80 plus percent. Um, I like this quote from Buffett uh, this week. It's better to hang out with people that are better than you pick out associates whose behavior is better than yours and you'll drift in that direction. And this is something I've always lived by, um, you know, whether it's playing paddle, you want to play uh, against the best people, whether it's hockey, I started playing junior B when I was 16, uh, always striving to be around people that are better in whatever you want to do, uh, smarter than you in school, uh, you know, uh, better returns uh, or, or bigger AUM uh, was always very important to me early on. And um, uh, more, more the returns than the AUM because AUM tells me how good a salesperson you are. Returns tell me how good an investor you are. Uh, and I think uh, people confuse the two of those. But nonetheless, I uh, thought that was, uh, that's very good for, for particularly the young people that are uh, tuning in each week. Uh, th this is critical. Um, <laughs> this is perfect for this morning, I'll tell you. It was some, this has been a long day, but it's been an exciting day because I just know those turning points uh, that set things up for, for, for the whole year and today was one of them. So uh, I'll tell you how to become rich, says Warren Buffett. Close the doors, be fearful when others are greedy, be greedy when others were fearful. And I've, I'll tell you the level of fear in the market, pre-market this morning, and even throughout the day, it's still, the Dow was down, 
850 something points uh, midday as well. It might have be, be even gone uh, uh, as low as pre-market. Um, but, but the whole rally to get out of the rest of the uh, exploration and production stocks at the highs was all pre-market because I said, that, you know, it's not going to get any better than this. Um, and, um, and you're going to have an Iran deal in, in the back. And then, um, and then you had Biden come out uh, this afternoon and say, yeah, we're not going to really sanction their oil and gas uh, or the SWIFT payment. So basically, we're going to let them keep uh, all the energy and all the money. Uh, but, you know, we are punishing them. So we're trying to figure out how that works. But nonetheless, the market liked it. And, uh, and oil rolled over and many of the energy stocks closed, closed on the day negatively. So um, uh, that's that. And last quote from Buffett. Today, people who hold cash equivalents feel very comfortable. They shouldn't. They've opted for a terrible long-term asset, one that pays virtually nothing and is certain to depreciate in value. Um, so something to keep in mind. Let's move to the uh, ask me anything questions. I want to start with... Um, JT Investor. Tom, first, I want to thank you again for all that you do and for your high quality research. In my opinion, you are in the same class as Tom Lee and Marco Kalanovic, and I get the sense your research is produced without as many resources as they have at their firms, which is even more impressive. I hope you continue sharing your great work and your humble attitude is admirable given your success. Next, thanks for the thoughts on Intel as a way to play the auto rebound. Not what I was expecting. By the way, they, they got upgraded this week. Uh, and I think, I think we're going to cover, yeah, uh, Gensler kind of laid out his plan to grow double-digit revenues within a year. Uh, next, thanks for the thoughts on, okay, I uh, got that. You may have saw the news regarding Apollo's transaction of Tenneco. Uh, yeah, I had a legacy tiny position in my uh, PA uh, from... Uh, gosh, it must have been spring of 2020 in the middle of uh, coronavirus, uh, maybe April or May, somewhere in there, uh, trading at four times EBITDA. And that's the line of thinking I was thinking last week, maybe worth looking at into other auto suppliers trading cheap, given the smart PE money seems to have taken notice. Uh, two quick questions this week. One, on BABA, feels like the leg sweep took place this week and can't help but feeling we are trying to catch a falling knife. How do we know when the selling is overdone? And two, it seems like you switched horses from IBB to XBI on the biotech play. Please clarify which one you prefer to build a position on as your thesis plays out. Uh, again, thanks and have a great weekend. Okay, so Baba, um, you know, uh, Baba really did something. I was talking to uh, Carter today and, um, you know, I said, you know, Baba went from like, it was down, like I said, it got below 100 pre-market after earnings. It was down like 7 or 8%, something like that. Uh, I said to him, I think it was trading at like 103 midday. I said, you know, if this thing closes positive or close to positive by the end of the day, which is low probability, and it really looked that way because all the Chinese stocks were down, even the casinos were down 6 or 7%, um, I said, then it's over. The worst is behind us. And I think that's exactly what happened today. Uh, I do think the worst is over, and I do think the worst is behind us. Um, this, this broke 100. So like I said, you're not going to see a lot of this on the charts, and it closed up uh, just below its opening 
uh, closed down 72 basis points. I think we're done. I think that was the leg sweep, and we're going to go into Alibaba earnings shortly because there were a lot of good things in Alibaba's earnings. So, um, so we were adding China this morning, no question about it. Um, on the XBI and IBB, I think I've shared, I don't really play individual stocks in biotech, so I wanted to play through the ETFs. Um, XBI for sure. Uh, all, all three of them, there's only three ways you can play it. IBB, XBI, and then if you want a little bit of uh, leverage and you're willing to deal with volatility, uh, you can have some LABU, uh, L-A-B-U, uh, which we put a, a, a nice amount on this morning pre-market. I, I literally can't believe we got it in the 12s. It closed, uh, and you're not even going to see it on this. Uh, it was pre-market because I was up so early to, to uh, put the finishing touches on the um, on the article. Yeah, 1376 was was during the market. It was in the 12s pre-market, uh, and it closed above 16, which is just unbelievable. It was down 12%. It closed up 13%. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I was telling... Um, I was telling Carter today, I was like, look, if you want to grind away, spend your days looking at 60-minute and daily charts. If you want to do better than average, look at weekly charts. And if you want to get rich, look at monthly charts. Because it gives you a much better perspective and you're not dealing with... um, you're not getting chopped around. You're seeing the longer-term perspective. And, you know, look, we're buying at a pandemic lows. It got down to 1264. It got down that low this morning. Uh, and it does this every few years. I mean, this thing could rip back up into to 60 and, uh, and then 100 and then beyond over the next few years. I mean, this is going to be a multi-bagger. And it's mornings like today that set you up. And if you're, if you're grinding and just looking at the 60-minute charts, you're getting shaken out to people like me. You know, this, the same thing with Baba uh, to speak to uh, JT's. Uh, by the way, JT, lovely uh, question and comments, and I'm flattered by the compliments. Uh, I, I do my best, and, uh, and I think we're doing a good job here. And uh, I, I just, you know, when you've been in the business long enough, you know days that that make a career, and this was, uh, I think this is gonna prove to be one of them. Um, um, What else was that? Oh, Baba. So, you know, this goes back to the article a couple weeks ago when I was sharing my fishing photos. See, look, if you look at Baba, like if you look on the daily stuff, you totally get faked out and you like flip out. But if you just step back and look at some of this stuff, you know, when when you get this oversold, and the only reason I'm looking at technicals here is because the fundamentals make no sense right now. In other words, and management said as much, like this stock is so cheap relative to its intrinsic value. So then you look at, okay, where does selling, uh, what was your question? Uh, how do we know when selling's overdone? Well, we don't have a, a, a tremendous amount of data here, but we got three examples when these metrics on a monthly basis got down this low. One huge rally. This thing went up 300, uh, uh, well, 4x, 300%. 
Uh, once here in 2018, the last crackdown, it went from 130 to 319, so about you know three, almost th not quite three x, uh, 200, almost 200 percent. And here we are a third time down at these levels, uh, and um, and I think we're going to get a similar result. I think we're going to rip right right back up to 200, and then and then back to intrinsic value of 300. And if you wait three or five years, it'll be worth even more that, than that in our view. Um, and, and, you know, zooming out like this kind of just gives you perspective when you've done the homework, you understand what you own, um, you know, 60 minute and daily charts, you, you'll just grind up your money. And, and the other thing you got to keep in mind, like the fish thing underwater, they're not going to give you these, these type of games for free. They did the same thing here where you thought you'd bottomed. Then you had one of these candles months and these are monthly candles then you had a, another crappy month this this is probably if i had been doing a podcast pass right here i guarantee you i would have got the exact same question i got here uh feels like we're trying to catch a falling knife you know because you thought you were out of the woods here then you really weren't uh then you got your butt handed to you and then all of a sudden see you later uh and then here they check back and then off to the races for 200 percent and I think it's the same thing here. We thought we had it. Uh, then, you know, we got hope. Everyone got back in. They poo-pooed on us. And, uh, and I think we're going to be back off to the races. And um, uh, it's just like catching that shark and just like my girls. By the way, one of those barracudas, the pictures I showed you a couple weeks ago, the, my seven-year-old, they each reeled in their own fish. And that was a big, big fish. So anyway, I just want to put that out there because I'm, you know, as, as much as I was excited about my shark, uh, those barracudas were basically taller than they were and they got, it, they got the job done. So uh, keep that in mind when you've got amazing stocks like this and you sit back and you've done your work. They're not giving it to you for free. I guarantee you. You know, it's the same exact thing here. Look, look uh, during the pandemic, it went all the way down here. Then it it snuck below this candle, the the closing uh, low from the month before, and then it just ripped back up. And I think we could see a similar situation. It just puts in perspective your higher probability of buying down here than buying up here when all all the other people are buying the breakout and getting their faces ripped off. Uh, buying the euphoria and getting their faces ripped off. So um, yeah, I'm all for catching falling knives when I when I've done the work. I don't really th this this short term volatility uh, and this type of stuff. Uh, I, I I not only do I not mind, I live for it. I love it. I know that's where all the money is made. Uh, that's my knitting. So um, uh, so that's that. Great questions, JT, and thank you for the kind words. Okay, next one, Sam Moore. Um, Hi there. Over the summer, I'm going to be doing some work experience at a local hedge fund company, Atlas Partners. I think this is in Jersey Islands in the UK. They specialize in automated trading of futures from what I know. I'd really appreciate it if you could advise me on how to prepare for this opportunity, mainly in regards to books and articles to read, to familiarize myself with the environment along with any other suggestions. I appreciate your time and thought taken considering this and look forward to your response. All the best, Sam. Sam, um, you know, that's not my knitting. So like, for my knitting, I always talk about the, the Buffett letters, the um, uh, Intelligent Investor by Ben Graham, and uh, Value Line. But for that, I would read the original Market Wizards book by Jack Schwager and as many of the follow-on books uh, by Jack Schwager as possible, interviewing traders. This is more of short-term. But in the first one, they did a lot of the CTAs, which is, I think, what you're going to be doing there. 
as well as uh, the Jim Simmons book uh, about Renaissance. Uh, I forget the title. I can't see it from here on my bookshelf. It's a yellow book. Just Google Jim Simmons Renaissance book. Uh, that's a good one to read about short-term trading. Sam Moore. Uh, Samuel Moore, hi there. I'm not sure where to submit Ask Me Anything questions. However, what are your thoughts on uranium and investing in the sector? Uh, has this ship already sailed or is it just beginning? Um, I, you know, that's not my knitting. I mean, I pulled up the uranium chart. Um, I, I mean, uh, you know, when people talk about uranium, they get excited about this company called CCJ. And this happens like literally every few years and invariably it always ends in a world of pain. It's kind of like buying gold miners. So yeah, I mean, CCJ is up 5X. Um, uh, I'm going to say that's going to go in my too hard box. Um, but my inclination would be to pass, I think. Uh, and, and I said that in the Yahoo interview, I think we've hit peak commodity euphoria for the short term. Uh, I, literally, I'd strongly urge you to listen to this interview. It was like tomorrow's newspaper today, and it goes through a lot of things about sentiment, mindset, um, and uh, zigging when others are zagging, uh, <laughs> outs in poker. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff. Karina did an incredible job, so uh, definitely check into that. Uh, for me, it's too hard box on uranium, but generally pass. For me, it's like gold miners. I mean, gold could go to 5,000. I wouldn't be interested in gold miners. It just never seems to work out. Miners have an uncanny way of consistently losing money, even when the commodity doubles. Uh, ben, first name only. Uh, hi, Tom. Could lower drug price legislation pass? Latest thoughts on IBB, please. Thank you, Ben. Uh, well, I covered uh, biotech, XBI, Labu, IBB. And then um, drug price legislation. So uh, they can't seem to get anything done. And now with all of the um, sanction legislation and everything else, uh, it's unlikely they're going to get anything done. But I did pull up some information on that. So is the Senate gearing up to actually pass drug pricing legislation? A bill from War Senator Warncock, Warnock. Uh, from Georgia that would cap insulin co-pays at $35 a month appears to be on the fast track for becoming law. Uh, Chuck Schumer proclaimed on the Senate floor that the bill would be a priority for Democrats in the weeks ahead, a rare shout out for a bill that has not even been cleared out of committee. It's no surprise Democrats are prioritizing the bill. It could provide some immediate relief to patients struggling with high drug costs ahead of a contentious midterm election. Uh, that, drugs, I mean, they're, they're talking about insulin here specifically. So, um, Okay, the feds, frankly, are also woefully behind the states at this issue. At least 18 states have already passed similar legislation. Not everyone's convinced it's a good idea to pass the bill now as Democrats' larger drug pricing package is stalled. Drug pricing advocates raise both strategic and policy concerns with passing Warnock's bill uh, in conversations with STAT last week. We think it's a mistake if Sen Senator Schumer makes this uh, a priority. Um, David Mitchell, Patients for Affordable Drugs, we feel strongly that the Senate should remain focused on passing the larger drug pricing package, and we don't want to take our eye off the ball and do something that's far less when something much better is, fa in fact, within reach. Uh, blah, blah, blah. 
Debate underscores Democrats' efforts to demonstrate they haven't give up on, given up on lower, lowering drug prices, even on seeming no-brainers like lowering insulin. So uh, what this says, actions speak louder than words. They have given up on lowering drug prices before the election. Uh, they're not going to get it done, and they don't want another failure. So if they can get this little insulin thing done, they can walk away with a win and say they, they brought things down. So I think at, at most something like that happens. The uh, other bill that is in the works deals with the... Um, pharmacy benefit managers like the middlemen. So it's going to squeeze the middlemen, not necessarily the drug companies. Um, so I think, I think we're in the clear there for some time, Ben, but it, it's uh, certainly a good question. And it looks like nothing's imminent as most of, the, uh, most of that was embedded in the Build Back Better. And uh, the Build Back Better is now on the Build Back Burner. Ba-dum-bum. Okay, Prasad M., Hi, Tom. Absolutely love your weekly SM commentary and podcasts. I uh, don't know what that means, SM. Stock market. Okay. I have learned so much from you over the past year and made some money. Thanks for your generosity and sharing those with us. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, my question, I am a small to medium cap tech-centric investor and I've been riding the recent crush and repositioning, concentrating ahead of what I hope expect to be a nice back half of the year for quote unquote good tech. Do you ever invest in small to medium cap tech? If so, who do you like? If not, general thoughts on why. Uh, thanks much. Um, I do, but I don't uh, generally talk about them on uh, TV or uh, on the podcast video cast because I don't want to be pitching a tiny name if I can help it uh where the stock could actually move i could talk about alibaba 24 hours a day seven days a week uh no matter what i say it's not going to move the price of the stock um so i tend to talk about large large caps stable companies mostly but yeah in small size i'll do some small and mid cap uh, companies from time to time i think the name of the game there (laughs) is what i said to karina yesterday and what i said in the article today which is you know, make sure price is what you pay and value is what you get. Make sure you are doing the uh, tech that is now trading at a reasonable multiple. And by the way, we bought, we added to our Facebook. If you recall in uh, past weeks, uh, we said the 180 to 220 range, it got down to 192 or 193 pre-market. We bought a bunch more at 194. It closed the day up. I think it closed over 200. Um, I think we might get another chance at Alibaba, but if we don't, we got a decent amount this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, what was it? Uh, Facebook. So Facebook closed up 4%. Wow. Um, so yeah, closed at $207. Oh my gosh, that's exciting. I wish we'd gotten more, but we got a decent amount. So I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, you know, that's trading at 15 times forward. There's not a whole lot to think about there, even though the growth rate's slowing down. Similar to Alibaba trading at 12 times. Maybe I think it probably got to 11 or 10 times today. Um, nothing to think about there. It's just, you know, um, that's the name of the game. So, uh, so, so the key there to answer your question, Prasad, uh, you want to be in a, at this stage of the market, you want to be in a lower multiple than the market with higher earnings growth. So you got to dig deeper to find that. And you're going to have more volatility, but higher returns if you uh, do the work and don't get caught up buying super high price to sales or, or money losing businesses at this stage. Um, 
Then first, what's the latest regarding drug price legislation? Catalyst for uh, what? What do you did you add to your biotech positions this week? Yes, a ton. Uh, Roy Rogers sent um, basically just a note about Brazil. There were no questions in it, just kind of a, um, his thoughts on things. Um, it's also asking about EXTN, which is um, transportation of oil and natural gas. We'll take a quick look at this. Uh, where is it? Actually, before I do that, because he didn't really ask a question, he just kind of said what he thinks about it. Let's uh, switch over to um, Mikhail Bobkoff uh, sent a thesis on just eat takeaway. Uh, this was pretty good, actually. Um, it's basically, they've got Grubhub in the U.S., and uh, they've gotten smashed. So where, where do we put that other thing here? Alright. Uh, so monthly. 10 years. All right, so this is what it looks like. So he's, he's dumpster diving with us. Uh, and um, um, so the basis of this, this is at-home food delivery. So where is sentiment right now? It's in the same boat as Peloton and all the other things that benefited from people being locked up in their house, namely food delivery. So sentiment, you're going to have a huge headwind of sentiment for the near term um just looking at the numbers briefly um and uh, you know he goes into a, some of the parts the european business the u.s business etc um the the reason why it would not be a big position for me despite the fact that I like buying things that are out of favor. Um, I mean, I, I might take a small flyer like Stone Co. because uh, Buffett owns Stone Co. and you know, I kind of like emerging markets. Um, the, the key reason is it's still a money-losing business. So um, where is this? Here it is. Okay. So if you look here, the revenues have grown. They've done some acquisitions. If you look at revenue per share, it's growing. This looks like an accretive acquisition. But again, they're not making any money at present. Uh, their free cash flow, they've only had positive free cash flow one year out of the last seven. Uh, negative return on equity, re negative return on investment capital. So, so you know, they're they're giving me the manana story. You know, someday we'll make money. Right now, we're just gaining share and we're investing for the future. And everyone thinks they're Amazon. The problem is, as the cost of capital goes up, it's going to be harder to get someone else to finance your dream uh, with their money. Uh, when money's free and they don't have to pay anything for the money that they give you, uh, then they've got a free option. But when once once capital has a cost, and I'm not saying rates are going to go through the roof, I'm just saying that they're going money's going from free to having a cost. 
uh, less is going to be available. So, you know, if, if someone put a gun to me and said, like, I, I think his thesis is decent. Um, I, I, I like the work. You know, maybe you put, a, a you know, 25% of a small position on here. Uh, let the let the sentiment go against you. And maybe you wind up with a basis over time about, you know, four, five, six dollars. And that's when you can start to lean into it, see if they're getting closer or further away from profitability and then make it a full position in time. But yeah, I mean, this might be an interesting area to start. I think Macau did a good job of um, uh, of analyzing this. Uh, it's just not it's just not my my knitting uh, because I, I like profits. I like companies that make money. So um, I know this will someday, and they might have a bigger moat in Europe. So yeah, we're going to look into this more. Uh, Carter found some good research on this name. I'll, I'll forward to you so it can help you. Um, generally, we're open-minded to this idea, but, but we're not in love with it, and I've, and I've shared the reasons why. So thank you for sharing that. And then finally, I'll just take a quick look at this EXTN that uh, Roy Rogers uh, sent over. Um, the re I think EXTN is midstream. And like I said, I think the servicers will do okay from here, uh, and and probably the midstream will do okay. But the E and P are going to get, uh, I think, a short-term shellacking on the Iran deal, and on this uh, sell the news type of situation. And then uh, we may reload for the longer term sometime this year. We'll see how it plays out. But um, EXTN, let's just take a look here. So their revenues have cut in half in the last few years. Uh, they're losing money. And All right, so they lost half as much money this year as in the last 12 months as they did last year. Yeah, not my cup of tea. Um, could could this type of thing work? Maybe, um, but I think the time to lose to buy money losing energy companies was 2020, not today. I mean, I see what he's looking at here. Um, if you processes supporting transportation of oil and gas, um, there are better things to do. I mean, you could just buy the OIH. You could buy um, you know, you could buy even National Oil Well Varco if you want a money losing servicer uh, that could take off. I, I, you'll probably be okay with this, but you got to take a three year view, and um, it it's it's probably okay. But it wouldn't we wouldn't lean into anything like that at this stage uh, right now. If we get a pullback on the whole sector mid year, then then we'll we'll revisit it. Um, so thanks for sending that over, Roy. Thanks for all the questions and nice, nice words to everyone else. Uh, Jack Denton, my favorite Alibaba reporter, put this out this morning when the stock was down 10% or 8%. Alibaba earnings aren't bad, but the stock is plunging. Here's what to like. And as we said, it closed down less than a dollar, which is pretty exciting in this tape, considering most of the Chinese stocks were still down, you know, 5%. Um, and what he points to is, um, so they, they missed on revenue, $38.1 billion. They beat on earnings at uh, $2.65 a share. 
<coughs> the profit was seven billion dollars. Um, revenue climbed ten percent. So the headlines everywhere were Alibaba grows revenue at the slowest rate in history. Okay, well the Chinese consumer. Uh, was the slowest that it's ever been in history uh, in the fourth quarter, the, the growth rate, uh, because of all the shutdowns and crackdowns and regulation and layoffs from them closing down industries, etc. So the fact that they grew 10% in the face of that speaks to the strength of the business. Um, and then uh, he points to uh, international commerce, which we've talked about a lot. Uh, that business grew 18% year over year. Uh, and uh, 2.6 billion instead of 2.5 billion. And then the cloud computing grew at 20%. And we've said that that's the linchpin. Now you say, why 20% and not 30%? Uh, the answer is, and, and management spoke to it, uh, is that their their internet clients their the education sector uh was actually hit so they the online gamers and the education sector which was basically shut down the online gamers uh hurt their growth but they still grew 20% and they picked up market share so the whole sector Hitachi Tencent all um got hit by the education sector being shut down and the online gamers being regulated, uh, a crackdown, regulatory crackdown. But in the face of that, not only did Alibaba grow that business 20%, which is the future of the business, uh, it also picked up share against the competitors. So they're gonna come out uh, bigger and stronger as, as this thing uh, goes in the rear view mirror. Uh, the other thing that was very interesting is it lowered its revenue growth expectations for the year um, to grow by 20 to 23% versus 30% after the regulatory crackdown. So they came, down, came out in November and they lowered that guidance. They did not lower it again, despite the fact that they only grew 10% last quarter, which tells me that they're expecting a sharp recovery. And remember, everything ha happens on a lag basis. The policy tightening in China started last January. It hit hard six months later in the summer, along with the regulatory crackdowns, and in the fall, it became acute. Remember, they started loosening policy in October and specifically November when they started injecting liquidity uh, and increasing lending to small businesses. So we're now in November, December, January, February, we're now four months into that. In the next couple of months, uh, that should be felt by the economy, and they've added even more uh, stimulatory uh, items in the past week, which we're going to cover as well. So the fact they didn't bring down guidance was really exciting. Uh, the consensus target price for this is still $190 from, uh, uh, I think it's 18 different analysts, which implies 84% upside. Uh, but again, opinion follows trend. They've taken all their estimates down because of the crackdown. They'll take it back up once it hits 190 and beyond. Now this is from the company, and this is also very important. Um, Eliza is the news from Alibaba Corporate. Uh, revenue grew 10% year on year. Taobao deals and Tao Kiakai gained traction among users. So um, the annual active consumers uh, globally swelled to 1.28 billion 
annual active users, um, and um, the revenue, despite the fact that it missed by growing only 10%, uh, it was only 1% below consensus. So they grew revenues 10%. The other thing that was critically important with what management said, uh, all right, well, let me just cover a couple of these. Uh, Alibaba delivered steady progress this quarter. We continue to execute on our multi-engine growth strategy in complex and volatile environment. Daniel Zhang, chairman and CEO. Uh, okay, the e-commerce giant's annual active consumers inside China climbed to 979 million and outside China to 301 million. Quarterly net increases of 26 million and 16 million respectively. That's huge. So they grew externally, um, uh, you know, almost two thirds of what they grew internally, but the size is much smaller. So, so they're growing much faster externally. They're gonna hit a billion annual active consumers in China by March 31st. Um, which is substantially all the consumers which purchasing power in the world's second largest economy. This success will trigger a shift from acquiring new users to retention and boosting average, average revenue per unit, ARPU, which has been uh, key. And then they're going to drive the international growth, which there's an enormous runway and they're, they're really executing on all cylinders and they don't have the regulatory headwinds for that either. Um, okay, now this is critically important. Alibaba bought about bought back about 10.1 million ADS American depository shares for roughly 1.4 billion dollars in the third quarter, part of an ongoing stock repurchase program running till the end of this year. Alibaba's ADS price has dropped 56% in the last year amid a slowdown in economic growth during the coronavirus pandemic according to stock analysts. Quote, "Our current share price does not fairly reflect reflect the value of the company." At current price levels, quote, we plan on continuing our share repurchases, said Toby Zhu, Alibaba's group's deputy chief financial officer. And they were probably in the market today uh, after releasing earnings. And uh, that's why it closed uh, um, near the flat line after, um, um, you know, knee-jerk sell-off uh, pre-market and throughout the day. So among equity analysts, 53 out of 60 have a buy rating on the stock. 12-month average price target of 190, uh, Bloomberg data showed. Um, okay. So they talk about the macroeconomic headwinds such as the sporadic outbreaks of coronavirus, uh, which is, you know, it's no problem that they have outbreaks of coronavirus. The problem is, is that they have uh, zero COVID policy, which means they shut down cities every time they have an outbreak. And that's what hurt them in the fourth quarter with Omicron, et cetera, or last quarter, rather, their fiscal year. But um, uh, remember, China approved the Pfizer pill, which tells us that they're going to change that policy from shutting down cities to living with it and giving people the pill once the pills become uh, readily available, which, which uh, my guess is going to be sooner than expected because our cases have absolutely plummeted. So the demand for the pill in the US for Pfizer is gonna be de minimis in the near term uh, and China's demand will be material uh, and they'll get, they'll get it over there. So that is a good thing. Um, it shows their revenue growth uh, and it just continues to grow. Even though it only grew at 10%, it's still 
you know, December over December. Um, okay. Uh, now, this is right from their press release. Alibaba's forecast in November that its fiscal year 2022 revenue would grow 20 to 30, 20, 20 to 23% year over year, demonstrating confidence in its long-term growth plans and China's economic potential. Uh, so they're keeping that in place. They, they did not change that. They did not revise that down despite the 10% revenue growth. So that means, again, that uh, they're expecting a big bounce back, as are we. And... Um, Uh, China commerce business added 20 million people due to Taobao deals. Uh, online physical goods gross merchandise value for Taobao and Tmall recorded single digit year over year. Uh, record global shopping festival. Uh, revenue at the Alibaba's cloud business, the most important growth driver for the future, grew 20% year over year, reflecting robust demand from financial and telecom customers partially offset by the sustained impact from loss of a major client and slowing capital expenditure from internet customers and all the education businesses that have shut down has been a key thing. Um, Alibaba's cloud revenue is becoming more diversified with revenue contribution from non-internet industries, meaning the ones that weren't cracked down, accounting for 52% of revenue for the quarter. Uh, And... As demonstrated by our new segment, Disclosure, remember they broke it down to individual heads uh, in recent months, where Taobao deals in Tao Kai Kai are active, resulted in a dip in... Uh, oh, here it is. As demonstrated by our new segmental Disclosure, our continued investments in growth initiatives have seen tangible results, said Chief Financial Officer Maggie Wu. Com- uh, Alibaba committed to greater transparency into key segments Performance, multiple engines of growth. China commerce grew 7%. Sinao, 15%. International commerce grew 18%. And the cloud grew 20% in Q3, despite all those headwinds. Uh, and and then some, some stuff about um, ESG. So uh, really a Trojan effort and a Trojan... Trojan results beating on the bottom line in in the face of the worst of all possible worlds, monster shutdowns, monster COVID, uh, a lot of industrial shutdown ahead of the Olympics due to pollution, um, uh, and then the lagged effect of the monetary and fiscal tightening earlier in the year, which uh, inflected in the middle of that quarter and should start to be felt in this quarter and next quarter in a material way. So I think that reversal today uh, was the final flush, uh, and I think that from here, a lot of the bad news is out, uh, and and we can we can start to push higher. And uh, and and now that you know, it's the funds like we've discussed in the past. That fund that had five billion dollars in, in UK, the two Goldman guys, they put four billion in Alibaba, close to two hundred. You never put eighty percent of your portfolio in any one name, you know, ever. Uh, and so it's funds like that that probably just got flushed out. They're going to be right about their idea, but they're not going to be in business to benefit uh, a year and two years out because they got probably got fully redeemed, which is why uh, you know Munger was able to buy on margin uh, in December at these levels and um, maybe even bought a little bit more this week, um, and and we were as well. So um, so so I feel a lot better now that all the news is out. And we can move onward and upward. So that that was good news. Uh, Iran moves 
more oil onto ships in preparation for a nuclear deal. About 30 million barrels added to tankers since early December. Diplomats are working on an accord that was, would e ease sanctions. Um, U.S. Nears return to Iran deal agreement could be completed as early as the next couple of days, officials say, but some differences remain. Uh, this was before the Ukrainian attack, so figure a couple more days after that, they, they got their hands full. Um, Intel got an upgrade. Uh, Gelsinger sees, expects Intel to be able to reach and sustain double-digit annual revenue increases and gain market share. It's not priced in at these levels, so we think that's going to be an opportunity. And then... Um, Frackers push into once dead shale patches as oil nears $100 a barrel. You're going to see the supply come on. We talked about the rig count in the article of the week. We'll cover that again. But the game is back on. And for those of you who think that there's not going to be drilling because banks can't finance them anymore uh, and public companies have to be ESG, well, I got news for you. Private equity was in the, in the oil patch all during 2000 and 2001, buying up all these wells, uh, and they don't have to answer uh, the ESG story in the same way, and they, they put tons of capital to work. So you're going to have more production than ever before uh, in time, and, um, uh, and these guys are just going to generate huge amounts of cash. So um, that, all that happened was it shifted from private uh, uh, companies that have to deal with ESG to private money where they can just generate cash and do whatever they want. So um, uh, that's that. Uh, Fed's Barkin today says, time will tell if the Ukraine changes the rate outlook. He affirms the view that strong inflation warrants policy shift. Um, but uh, the consensus was today that the 50 bips uh, is off the table. They'll probably do 25. And if they want to keep the yield curve state steep, they're going to use more of a balance sheet than the, than the hikes. Uh, roll off the balance sheet, keep the 10-year above 2%. Uh, you've already got six or seven hikes uh, priced into the short end of the curve. You keep that spread, 50, 75 bips, we can run this thing for another couple years and continue to expand. Uh, Fed officials lean against large increase to kick off rate hikes again. Uh, now it's looking like 25 versus 50, which is great. Surging U.S. share buybacks offer support to sputtering market. Uh, buybacks up 30% year on year. 1.23 uh, trillion are authorized for this quarter alone. I think you're going to see them rush back into the market in, in coming days now that the coast is clear, uh, and that's going to add a, a backstop to the market. Uh, Chinese banks in two key cities cut mortgage rate to boost housing uh, sector. You're going to see more and more of this. Chinese finance ministry talks up tax breaks, that's fiscal, and spending on homegrown tech. Uh, remember, uh, Alibaba has that cloud chip, uh, and uh, uh, the Chinese government wants uh, chip innovation more than anything else. Alibaba's right at the center of that. Uh, next was budget 2022-23. Hong Kong opens funding tap to make more mortgage loans available for first-time home buyers, dealing a blow to nano-flat builders. Um, okay, and this was the article of the week, the stock market's biggest risk. I write these on Wednesday night. Uh, the reason I publish on Thursday morning is because the AAII sentiment survey results aren't published until uh, Thursday morning, and then I put it out usually around 7 a.m. Eastern. So, um, so the the futures were, were down 800, I think 75 points when I woke up. All the energy stocks were up 6%. All the biotech and uh, China tech and tech were all down like 10% plus. And I knew exactly what we needed to do was get out of the remainder of the E&P names, take the profits from 2020, and, um, 
and, and put all of that into China and into biotech, which is exactly what we did. And uh, it was an exciting morning, finishing the article, doing the post, getting the trades done, uh, but we did it. And um, okay, so I started with, you know, here the futures were down. I started with this quote from Rudyard Kipling, uh, <laughs> the famous poet, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs, Yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son. And that's exactly what you needed to do today was keep your head. This was a sell the rumor, buy the news. The attack was actually uh, the catalyst, and uh, this has been known for you know a month and a half, uh, the risks, and, it went, and people were selling the rumor, and, and today they bought the news. Um, okay, so what you read below will probably not make sense until we look back on it a month or so from now, but here it goes. Maybe it's gonna be sooner now. Remember, I was writing this as the market was down huge uh, in the morning, but the, the theme is the same. The vast majority of this article was written on Wednesday evening. Since that time, Russia has reportedly invaded and struck non-separatist regions of Ukraine. Remember, they were in uh, Donbass yesterday, uh, separatist regions um, as, as of this addendum on Thursday morning, NATO and the U.S. have done nothing to deter Russia beyond a few modest sanctions. For context, the last instance of Russia aggression was when President Biden was then vice president under President Obama. While not a perfect comparison, it can give us some insight as to how things could play out. History doesn't repeat, but it does have a tendency to rhyme. According to Wikipedia's account, in February and March of 2014, Russia invaded and subsequently annexed the Crimean Peninsula from Ukraine. This event took place in the aftermath of the Revolution of Dignity and is part of the wider Russo-Ukrainian conflict on the 22nd and 23rd of February 2014. Uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin convened an all-night meeting with security service chiefs to discuss the extrication of the deposed Ukrainian president Viktor Yunukovych, uh, at the end of the meeting, Putin remarked that we must start working on returning Crimea to Russia. On the 23rd of February, pro-Russian demonstrations were held on the Crimean city of Sevastopol. Sevastopol. On 27 February, mass Russian troops without insignia took over the Supreme Council Parliament of Crimea and captured strategic sites across Crimea, which led to the installation of pro-Russia Sergei Aksonov government in Crimea, the conducting of the Crimean status referendum and the declaration of Crimea's independence on 16th of March, 2014. Russia formally incorporated Crimea as two Russian federal subjects, the Republic of Crimea and the federal city of Sevastopol on uh, 18th March, 2014. Following the annexation, Russia escalated military presence on the peninsula and leveraged nuclear threats to solidify the new status quo on the ground. So, um, you know, the moral of the story uh, for Ukraine is don't give up your nuclear weapons. Uh, Russia and NATO convinced them to do that, and this was the end result. Uh, so they're toast. It's just a question of how quickly do they surrender and how quickly uh, is government either uh, uh, goes into exile or is uh, um, uh, forcibly removed, uh, to put it mildly, and that would be a good case scenario for them. So, uh, so that so that's what's taking play, good case scenario in, in the sense that uh, you know they they probably uh, would do worse things for him if he if he doesn't uh, move on his own accord. So, um, 
so look, I mean, the bottom line is we, we basically told Russia we're not going to do anything if you go in uh, other than sanctions. So they said, OK, well, we have you know, basically zero risk. We have enough reserves. We've got this stuff in the ground that uh, Europe can't live without. So uh, and then we saw today that the sanctions, uh, the harsher sanctions uh, were going to exclude <laughs> uh, any impact on Russia's oil gas or uh, participation in swift banking so they didn't touch their oil they didn't touch their gas and they didn't touch their money effectively uh, so Putin obviously calculated this ahead of time made his move and took it and um, you know it's it's it is what it is it's devastating for the people of Ukraine and um, you know in, in my humble opinion should have never happened but it is what it is so, um, okay, now here's what's important to the markets. What happened to the S&P 500 and to WTI crude prices during this period, February of March of 2014, almost to the day, by the way, the S&P was down 6% in anticipation of that. Um, and uh, WTI crude was up 15% uh, in anticipation of that move. Uh, the Russia-Ukraine risk has been in the markets for some time now. Here's what's happened to the S&P so far. S&P was down 12% in anticipation of the event, and crude was up 47%. You could say it was from January when it really started to be in the market, in which case it would be up about 30%. Um, but now, it's, now it's, um, uh, it seems to have peaked at least the stocks, not you know the commodity. We'll see what happens. But uh, so... You know, looking back on all of the geopolitical events since 1940, the, debate is, the, the data supports our view that the disruption should be relatively short-lived. And here's the data per Ryan Dietrich at LPL Financial. It shows uh, all the incursions since 1940, uh, the max drawdown. In many cases, there was no drawdown. Um, uh, one month, three months, because they tend to sell off in anticipation of the event. Uh, like the Cuban Missile Crisis, for instance, one month later is up 5%, 12 months later is up 27%, uh, six-day war, same type of scenario, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, so you can go through these and see that uh, it's usually sell the rumor by the news. As such, we'll use any further strength in oil to harvest profits in energy stocks, which we did uh, simultaneously uh, in the morning as we were writing this. Uh, predominantly in exploration and production names, oil servicers should benefit from a consistent rig count increase in coming months as more supply comes onto the market. We will redeploy that capital into pockets of biotech and Chinese slash U.S. tech that are reasonably valued. We did just that uh, this morning, and um, including Facebook. <laughs> but selling off indiscriminate, but uh, we will redeploy that capital into pockets of biotech and Chinese slash U.S. tech that are reasonably valued, but selling off indiscriminately due to general fear in the market. For example, do you think Russia's invasion of the Ukraine will impact how many drug prescriptions are written in the next few months? How about number of doctor visits, screenings, tests, or whether people take their medicine each morning? Will it impact how many people log on to Facebook to see pictures of their friends and family? We don't. It may temporarily impact the price of the stocks incrementally more than it already has, but the underlying business fundamentals will be unimpaired. Wall Street is the only place on earth that when they throw a clearance sale, no one shows up. So for those of you on the podcast, you're going to get cut off in the next 30 seconds. Just go to hedgefundtips.com, scroll down to the video cast, 
you just go to minute 60, you will pick up word for word exactly where you left off and you can listen to the last few minutes. Um, also go to hedgefundtips.com, click on terms. This is opinion, not advice. So uh, now onto our original article from Wednesday evening. Uh, Wednesday afternoon, I joined Karina Mitchell on Yahoo Finance to discuss the relentless selling in the stock market since January 5th. Thanks to Karina, Taylor Clothier, and Sarah Drammer for having me on. Watch here to get my full thinking on the market.